morning I'm going to be speaking on something that's quite close to my heart. I'm going to be speaking on prayer. And yeah, so I count it an honor, I count it a privilege. And um, you know that I'm here for you. You know that, right? That's why it's, the honor is mine. I'm here for you. I'm here to serve you. And you're precious to God. And so I need to be careful with what I release in my heart and how I release it. And so I do it with the fear of God and I trust him that he'll speak to you. Um, so I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity and um, this honor. And I really pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill my heart, mind, and mouth with your words for your people. I pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts, that your word would go forth and accomplish everything that you send it forth for. And Lord, we ask as a church that you would take us to new levels of prayer individually and corporately. We're asking this morning, Lord God, that you, un unlock, you would unlock greater levels of the spirit of grace and supplication in our midst. And we trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Okay, so a guy called Chrysostom, and I don't even know how to say his name, but Chrysostom said this, the potency of prayer hath subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions, hushed anarchy to rest, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, expanded the gates of heaven, assuaged diseases, repelled frauds, rescued cities from destruction, stayed the sun in its course, arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. Prayer is an all-efficient panoply, a treasure undiminished, a mine which is never exhausted, a sky unobscured by the clouds, a heaven unruffled by the storm. It is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. Now, I want to ask you, if prayer really is that, why don't we pray more? Are you happy with your prayer life where it is right now? Are you happy? How many of us can say, I've arrived in my prayer life? I am happy with how much I pray. I think that it's cool. How much? None of, oh, one person over there can say, well, I, no, no offense, Kweli, I think that's wonderful, but I never want to be satisfied. I never want to settle. I never want to be, okay, I've arrived. I've, I've, I'm, I'm praying enough. I never want to be there because I think that, I mean, I think that's great, and I know he prays a lot. But for me, I think that that's a dangerous place, being complacent. I've arrived. I'm the woman. I don't need to pray anymore. No, we need to. This is so powerful. If we look around our nation, can we say that we've arrived as a nation? Can we say, no, we haven't. And what is the answer? Yes, we need uh, uh, Daniels and Davids and Josephs and all of these reformers in key places of influence in society but before that, we need the church to arise as a praying church. Because the church, I think, is quite weak. We are quite weak. We don't see the power that I think we should be seeing. We don't see the power that we see in Acts. Amen. And what is the secret of all of that? Yes, the secret is faith. Yes, the secret is going out there and doing stuff. But more than that, before that, the secret is we've got to be a praying church. We've got to be a praying church. I've got to be a praying mom for my kids. If I think of what's available on internet, what's available that we can't even control. You know, we can put um, age restrictions on their iPads. We can put stuff on their co computers. We can try our best with stuff. But you know what? There's a predatory world out there. I've got to be a praying mom. Amen. We've got to be praying people. We've got to be a praying church. If we want to see breakthrough in our businesses, we've got to pray first. That's the thing that opens the doors ultimately before we walk through. Amen. So we've got to be praying. I feel like, I feel like it's a time for us to arise and pray as a people, as a church. We've got to uh, lift up the prayer level in church. I can feel it when I come to Ignite. You know, often at Ignite, I can feel not so much this last one, but often there's a there's a dullness, there's a heaviness, and it, it takes like about five, six, seven, eight songs before we kind of take off. Those who come early, can you agree with me? Why is that? It's because there's a slumber on us. We, there's a spirit of slumber that we need to break through so that we can walk free of it. Amen. Now, I feel the slumber. I feel it sometimes when I'm getting on my computer to start writing. I can feel it. It's a tiredness. It's a heaviness, and it happens when we come to pray, and we've got to understand that it's not a natural thing. 
It's a spiritual resistance to the most powerful thing that we can do, which is pray. The enemy doesn't want us to pray. He wants us to be so busy doing, doing, doing that we don't pray. He wants our lives to be so cluttered that we don't have a prayer kind of outline in our lives. He wants us to be so anxious about so many things, or he wants us to be so tired, so heavy, so sleepy, that we actually couldn't be bothered and we actually just want to go to sleep or want to just watch TV and zone out, watch a soccer match or watch a Netflix or watch a something and zone out. But we've got to arise and awaken. You know, Jesus said to his disciples in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, could you not, you know, pray with me, toil with me for one hour? Could you not? You know, he said, watch and pray, watch and pray. We've got to be watchful and prayerful as people. Amen. So the title of my message is Effective Prayer for All Areas of Society. And I'm hoping that my husband is going to give me other slots and he's just walked out at the wrong time because that was my advert. <laughs> I'm hoping he's going to give me more slots so that I can touch on other areas of society because I'm not going to have enough time today to look at all of them. I'm going to start by looking at one. But Effective Prayer for all areas of society. How many of you are those type where you're quite practical? So for you to go to a prayer meeting and you feel like it's not really, you know, making it like being specific about things like Pastor Vim prayed at Ignite. It was very specific about practical things that are happening in the nation. Some people like that. How many of you are like that? You want to pray about real issues. Yeah, real things, tangible things, and, and not just you know, flow with the Spirit. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I like that. But so, so the thing is that we've got to pray with the Spirit, we've, but we've also got to pray intelligently. Amen. See, sometimes as Christians, we think when we, in order to be, with, be in the Spirit, we've got to check our brains out and we leave them at the door and we come in and we switch our brains off so we can flow in the Spirit. No, God gave us an intellect. We've got to use it. Amen. We've got to think. We've got to think and pray intelligently and pray according to the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit. But like Pastor Vim said at Ignite, we've got to have an understanding of what we're praying into. And I need help with that. I need help with current affairs. You know, I need to understand all these different things that are happening. But it's important that we try and we apply ourselves. So, so that's what I'm going to. Be, that's what this is all about. But you know, some people say or some people think, "Why do I have to pray?" How many of you think like that? Like. If God is sovereign, what's the point of praying? Because he's just going to do what he wants to do anyway. How many of you have ever thought that before? Some people think that. Jimmy, yeah. Some people, and it's a valid thought. Why do I have to pray? Like if God is sovereign, what, what difference is my prayer going to make? Surely it's just a waste of my time, okay? And that's a good question. And I'm going to answer that right now, Jimmy, and everyone else who didn't put their hand up because you weren't being honest, okay? <laughs> okay? So... Let's go back to the beginning, Genesis 1, verse 27 to 28. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the air, the birds of the uh, fish of the sea, <laughs> the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. So God says, Be fruitful multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion, okay? So that is called the dominion mandate. God is saying, I, he, I'm creating this beautiful earth for you, and I'm making you boss. You're in charge. Now, how many of you know God is not like your boss who delegates authority and then overrides that? So he'll tell you to do something, but then he'll step in and do it anyway. How many of you have a boss like that? Okay, some people have bosses like that. Right, God is not like that. So when he says, there's the earth, it's yours, rule it, he actually means, there's the earth, it's yours, steward it. Your responsibility, it's yours to take care of. So he's saying, take care of matters on the earth. That's all matters. That's government, that's agriculture, that's education, that's family, that's the banks, that's everything, everything. Okay, everything means everything. He's saying that is yours. Then if we want his help, we must now come to him and say, Lord, we actually can't do this on our own, which we can't, okay? We really need your help. Please, can you help us? 
like this and like this and like this. Lord, we need your help in this way and this way, and please would you step in and please would you... And then he answers our prayers and we because he can see we're acknowledging our dependence on him, and then he comes and answers our prayers. And that is why we need to pray. Is that clear, Jimmy? Yeah, so that's why we need to pray. Now, when God delegated authority to us and he delegated us authority for the earth... And he, did, and, he, and, and he gave us the whole earth. He, he called some of us to different domains. Like if you look at the whole earth and everything that there is under the sun, that is family, agriculture, education, um, all the different spheres of society, can you say that you honestly are called to all of those? No. None of us, none of us has the capacity even to carry all of that. So God very often will give us specific aspects of society which he lays on our heart that he wants us to watch over and pray into. And obviously, yes, it includes our family. It includes all the things that he's given us around us. But there'll be something that he'll give us to carry that he wants us to pray into. You see, God created domains or mountains of influence in every society and nation. And through these domains or mountains of influence, God desires to reveal himself. He desires to re reveal aspects of his character and, and aspects of who he is through those particular domains. Okay? And this has far-reaching ramifications for Bible-believing Christians because it means that we can't be satisfied with just experiencing God within the four walls of a church. We can't be satisfied by just experiencing his wisdom, his power, his word within these four walls on a Sunday. It means that every aspect of society, God wants himself to be revealed in and through. And so we as, as Christians, we as people who God wants us, to, uh, who, who God is calling to pray, we got to find out, Lord, what is your blueprint for these different domains of society so that I can pray in accordance with the biblical blueprint? Because how many of you know if I go to God and I say, Lord, I feel called to pray for government. Government, local governments, maybe national governments, maybe it's on my heart and I'm going to pray, but I'm an ignorant Christian. And now I'm praying, Lord, I just feel like communism is the way to go. I just feel like that is the way. And Lord, I'm praying for the communist party. And Lord, how many of you know that God is not going to answer your prayers because you are not praying intelligently? Because communism is not a biblical view of government. So you see, people, we have got to educate ourselves so we can pray in accordance with God's framework and blueprints for every domain of society. Now, I love this particular scripture when it says, God, the Lord God, took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend, to dress, to work it, and to keep it. Okay? To tend, to dress, to work it. And to keep it. So God took Adam and he gave him a garden to tend, to dress, to work, and to keep. And I want to ask you today, what are the gardens that God has given you to tend, to dress, to work, and to keep? And part of that tending, dressing, working, and keeping involves praying. Amen. It involves praying for that. God has assigned each one of us domains to pray and to have responsibility in, in Ezekiel 3, verse 17, the Lord says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman to the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of my mouth and give them warning from me. Ezekiel 22, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. You see, within our domains, there are walls that God wants us to build up. And part of that building up involves praying. So myself, if I look at my life, if I can use myself as an example, one domain that God has given me is my family, my children, my husband. And I've got to be praying for us. I've got to be praying for my marriage. I've got to be watching over that. Amen. Okay? <laughs> okay? I've got to be watching over my children, building up that wall, listening. Part of watching is listening to what they're talking about, listening when they fight. Listen. <laughs> Our kids do fight. <laughs> okay, listening when they talk about their friends at school and what their friends are saying, listening when they're talking about the movies that they're watching, listening and watching when they're talking about their games that they're playing, that Fortnite, okay, which I don't really like, okay. But... That's part of watching. And then I've got to go to God and pray for them. I'm watching them. I'm aware of their weaknesses. And then I take that to God and I say, Lord, 
and I lift each one up to God. That's my domain. Church is another domain. Our churches, I've got to pray. That's what God has put in me. Another thing is my husband's business and his work. That's another thing that I've got to pray and, and pray around. Now, I'm asking you, what are the things that are yours? Yes, there's your family. What else? For me, the church and the nation, the church weighs on my heart. What, what things weigh on your heart aside from your family and your children or your husband that you're praying for? Sometimes we're just so concerned with our own stuff that we, we, we don't hear God because we never say, Lord, what is on your heart for X, Y, and Z? So he never tells us, and then we complain, well, God never speaks to me, but would you speak to a friend who only ever came to you and told you about their stuff? You'd grow tired of it. Amen. So we've got to be interested in the stuff that God is interested in. Proverbs 24, verse 32, 31 says, I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. I think this is a picture of us in the church. When we won't pray, we're lazy. I'm lazy too. I should get up more. I should pray more. We should all do that. Okay, we should all do it more. And our fields and our vineyards are often overgrown. And the stone walls around our gardens that God has given us to watch over and pray for very often are broken down. Come on, people. The walls in this nation are broken down. That's why there's so much corruption. That's why there's so much stuff that's happening that shouldn't happen. The walls are broken down. Amen. Amen. We've got to pray. And, yeah, now... Each domain is important. Each domain is significant. It's not that the church is the most important domain and all the other domains are not important. So some of the domains, let me just mention this, family, education, church, government, business and economics, including agriculture, health, science and technology, media and communication, arts, entertainment and sports. So all of these are domains, and in and through all of these domains, God desires to reveal aspects of his nature. They're all a part of, of his goodness toward us. And some of us are called to specific of these domains, and that's beautiful. And the call and the assignment, doesn't, it's not more valuable based on the domain. So it's not more valuable because I'm called to church as, my, as a domain. No, it's valuable because of the one who's given me the call. So even if you are called to arts, entertainment and, and, and arts and entertainment and sports, wonderful, wonderful. Pursue that and be the best that you can be, the best that God has, has gifted you and talented you and called you and added super to your natural and be a shining light and exude Christ in that space. Amen. And it's valuable because of the one who issued the call. It's not valuable because of what the call is. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... Colossians 1, 15 to 20, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, and all things that are on heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth, things in heaven, made peace, uh, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So God desires to reconcile all things, all things. That means that I can go and do my triathlons and do it to the best of my ability. And you know what? I'll be a shining light to my team. And I will exude God there. And I will bring his glory there. Because that is a grace that is on me. Amen. And you know what? Sometimes, yes, I might not be here on Sundays, but I'll be here most Sundays. But I'm going to do what God has put in me to do and be faithful with it, even if you don't understand. Okay. But that's what we need to do. We need to be faithful, but we need, and we need to come back and say, you know what, Lord, I receive the calling. Cindy with the beauty therapy stuff, that is a call from God. She's called to carry the beauty of God and to make things beautiful and to make people beautiful. She needs to do that with God's grace. She needs to trust him and pray for that. Amen. She's got to be faithful with what God has put in her hands, her garden, her garden to tend. 
You see, in Malachi 1 verse 11, it says, For from the rising of the sun to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations. God doesn't just want his name to be great in churches, mega churches, big churches, small churches, TV programs about the gospel. No, he wants his name to be great in every aspect of life. He's a God who is relevant to every aspect of life. And we've got to tap into that and say, Lord, you know what? There are these areas that I know I'm called to that I'm not praying into. And I want to get your wisdom and I want to get your blueprint so that I can play, pray more accurately that you can be manifest in all of life. Amen. Habakkuk 2.14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God wants to fill every aspect of society. So those kingdom domains that I just mentioned, uh, that I mentioned just now, God wants us to pray for each of these in accordance with his blueprint. How many of us can say we know exactly how to pray for education? We know exactly how to pray for government. We know exactly how we got to pray for business, economics, agriculture. We don't often know how we ought to pray. We've got to go back to the Bible and say, Lord, give us your blueprint. Help us to pray with intelligence. Help us to pray with knowledge. Lord, we don't want to check our brains out because he actually gave us brains for a reason. Amen. Okay. Dorothy Sayers um, said this, and it's quite... Um, it's quite hectic. She said, In nothing has the church so lost her hold on reality as in her failure to understand and respect the secular vocation. She has allowed work and religion to become separate departments and is astonished to find that as a result, the secular work of the world is turned to purely destructive and selfish ends and that the greater part of the world's intelligent workers have become irreligious or at least uninterested in religion. But is that so astonishing? How can anyone remain interested in a religion which seems to have, not, which seems to have no concern with nine-tenths of life? The gospel is not irrelevant to all of life. If it's irrelevant to all of life, then it's no gospel at all. Then it's just religion, and I don't want to have anything to do with it. It's a waste of my time. So we've got to have a gospel that applies to all aspects of life. And then we've got to take a step back and say, you know what, Lord? We're not seeing your power, your presence, your glory in all of these aspects of life. So let's pray. Let's find your blueprints and let's pray. Okay? So remember I said in, in all of these domains, God desires to have aspects of himself revealed. Amen. In every domain, there's an aspect of God, uh, a, a person a part of his personality, a part of his person that he desires to manifest in and through that particular domain. So today I'm going to be talking about the domain of family, okay? Um, I'm going to touch on the domain of family and, and, and in the notes, guys, I've got so much in the notes and I'm leaving it all there and it's going up on the website and it's there for you. So I want to encourage you to go to the website, download those notes, and it will really help you as you pray for your marriages, as you pray for parenting, as you pray for your families. Amen. Go to the website, download the notes. What I'm giving you here is just the highlights. Okay. But it's enough, but it's just the highlights. It's, it's the hors d'oeuvres. It's the starters. Okay. Okay. So, family. If we look at the domain of family, how do we pray for family? How, what is God's heart for family? And when I say family, yes, I'm talking about my family, my immediate family. I'm talking about my extended family. I'm talking about the families within the church, our church. I'm talking about families within the broader church in the nation. But I'm also talking about family in the nation of South Africa. And if you want to go broader, if your faith is there in terms of prayer, family in Africa and families in the world, okay? So maybe if your faith is that big, you'll be praying for families in the world. But start and we pray in accordance with what we have faith for. Amen. So when I'm talking about family and I'm, reflect, and I'm, I'm teaching us about what the Bible says about family and what his, his, his nature is and how he wants to reveal himself, be thinking about it from, Lord, where are the gaps in my family and where are the gaps in the nation when we look at family in the nation? Because as soon as we do that, and we compare, it's like the Bible is a mirror, that's his standard, and we're comparing the facts on the ground, and we can immediately see where the walls are broken down, and we can immediately see where we need to pray and stand in the gap, okay? 
So the name, nature, and attributes of God that he wants to reveal through the domain of family is Heavenly Father. Okay, that's an obvious one, hey? Heavenly Father. Now the term Father carries with its source, author, originator, provider, sustainer, nourisher, protector. So immediately, as soon as I say that, you're thinking about your family. So mom and dad, the husband and the wife, or if you're a single mom or a single dad, that's what you need to be praying that you will, that's what the kids need to see through you, that you are nourisher, protector, sustainer, provider, author, originator, okay? Because the parents are the picture of God that the kids are going to see. So immediately I can see, okay, in South Africa, there are issues with violence. That goes against this right here. That's the case, right? Because there's supposed to be protection in the home. As soon as the husband is violent towards the wife or the wife violent to the husband, with physical violence or verbal violence, hey, okay, that is not in accordance with God's word. So family is the entity that God designed in order that each one of us experience his, his nature personally. Okay? Some of the other aspects of God the Father that we should experience in family include love, adoption, acceptance, provision, nurture, discipline, understanding relationships, and submission to authority. So these are the things that children are supposed to learn in the family setup. Okay. Matthew 6 verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He's a father. He's a, a feeder. He's a provider. Ephesians 1, 3 to 6 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself. See, some people come and they say, well, is adoption biblical? Is it okay to adopt? Well, honey, God adopted you. I think it's okay to adopt. It's a biblical thing. Adoption is biblical. Amen. Romans 8 verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So God's Father heart needs to be manifest in, an, in our households and in the households in this nation. Okay? Now what is the purpose of the family domain? Because every domain or sphere of influence has a particular purpose. The purpose of the family domain is to provide a safe, loving, nurturing environment for growth, for emotional security, for the passing on of biblical values, and education for the next generation. Safe environment for the kids. Emotional security. And by the way, parents, education is not the school's responsibility and it's not the government's responsibility. It's primarily parents' responsibility. Did you know that? We delegate authority to the school that we send our children to, to educate our children. But the responsibility is ours. So we need to be careful and be aware of what the school is teaching the kids. My kids come home and now they're learning about evolution and they're learning about all of the stuff. And I've got to say, well, actually, this is what you might learn at school, but this is what we believe. You know, Samuel in grade six, they had the sex talk with the, you know, the headmaster and deputy headmaster and some other people. But you, you, you got to know that we had a number of those talks with him before he went to the school one. Because it's a parent's responsibility to teach the kids. We don't know what he's going to say. He might just turn around and say, you know what, sex before marriage, that's okay. Just make sure you use a condom. No. We're able to say, you know what, this is what we believe. And we know that the other kids in the class are going to go, and they're going to be telling him stuff. So we're going to let him go, but we're going to educate him before he goes so he knows what's right. We don't want him to be taught by his friends or to be taught by the school before we've taught him and told him what our values are. Okay? So that's the family domain. Deuteronomy 5 verse 16 says, Honor your father and mother as the Lord has commanded you, that your days may be long. It may be well with you in the land which the Lord is giving you. So the, our kids are supposed to learn about honoring authority in the family setup. So when a child comes to church or a child goes to school and doesn't know how to honor authority, that is not a problem. That is a school problem. That is a home problem. That is a parenting problem. The, the parents are not doing what they're supposed to be doing at home. Okay. 
So God is Father. He's nourisher. He's sustainer. He's protector. He's provider. And we want to pray that these aspects are seen in our homes. God is also shepherd. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and lead those who are with young. So that aspect, I think that's a nurturing thing. Very often I think a mom will carry that to her children. But that also needs to be seen in our families. Okay, Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. So discipline is meant to start in the home. It starts in the home. We need to discipline our children. And we've got to say, Lord, give us wisdom. In our household, a spank is less disciplined for our kids than if we take away game time. They would rather have a spank than remove game time for the weekend. <laughs> so we're like, okay, Lord, give us wisdom. We're going to remove the game time because the spank, they feel it, and then they don't feel it five minutes later, and it's over with. But the game time, it really hurts. <laughs> Lord, give us wisdom, okay? Proverbs 22, verse 15, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. So in the space of marriage, in the context of family and the marriage, that's where God wants us to reveal to our kids these aspects. And also for us to learn about him in, in the context of family. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. Now, I want to just touch on marriage and I want to touch on parenting a little bit because they both fall within this context of family. Are you learning something? Are you getting ideas in terms of prayer? Okay, praying. Praying intelligently. Okay. So when we're praying for our marriages, my marriage, marriages in the church, marriages in the nation, we've got to remember that the overarching, far-reaching thinking that a married couple needs to have is that I am not my own, my life is not my own, my time is not my own, my marriage is not my own, my children are not mine to own, all of these things I am stewards of. Because it makes a difference, doesn't it? It makes a difference. It's not mine, God has given it to me to steward and I need to be faithful with this. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20 says, Do not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you are not your own. Say, I am not my own. Turn to your spouse, if you have one, and say, I am not my own. That was very quiet. <laughs> Come on, turn to your spouse and say, I am not my And if you're not married, turn to your spouse that you go receiving by faith, Pastor Vim, and say, I am not my own. Okay, so next time you're at home and you feel like your rights are being overridden, please remember what you said in church today. I am not my own. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And listen to this, husbands. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Wow. Very quiet. A few, a few giggles. <laughs> okay. You could turn again and say, I'm not my own. I belong to you. Ooh, very quiet. Ooh, okay. But we've got to remember these things when we pray. You see, whenever I borrow something from someone, I will make sure that I read the instruction manual because I don't want to break it. But if it's just mine and I bought it from the shop, I'm, I'm happy to, like, just wing it, you know. How many of you are like that? You can wing it a bit if it's yours, you know. <laughs> you'll, you'll probably get it right, Okay. And that's what we do with the stuff that God has given us. We wing it. But we've got to come back to the instruction manual, which is the word of God, so that things don't break. Amen. Okay. So, in marriage, I'm going to just look at one Ephesian scripture. And I want to encourage you to go to the Bible, because it is so rich with things that we can pray. And I want to encourage you to pray the word of God. Like I've said before, the word of God is alive and it's active and it never comes back void, but it always accomplishes what it's sent to do. So we've got to use the word of God. Amen. Right. So looking at Ephesians 5 in the context of wives and how we can pray for ourselves and how we can pray for other wives and husbands, how you can pray for your wife, but please don't Use this in a, in, a, in, a, in a fight or something. Ephesians 5 verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands. Okay, that little, little phrase right there has caused a lot of problems in marriages. Okay, in wives, okay, wives, submit to your husbands. But there's a reason and there's a context, but that is the pattern. 
So wives need to submit to their husbands. And that word submit means arrange under, arrange under authority. And it's very easy to submit husbands if you're doing your part and loving your wife, which I'm going to get to just now. It's very easy to submit. It's not easy to do it if you're not loving us, okay? But anyway, wives, submit. <laughs> right. Okay, Ephesians, I'm just looking at Ephesians, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. And you know what? We can really get on our knees and pray for ourselves that God would give us a grace to do that. Graciously, amen. Graciously, and God will bless us. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ, is the head of the church. Therefore, wives should submit to their own husbands in some things. No, in everything. Say everything. Everything. Even in your shopping. Clothes shopping, shoes shopping, handbags shopping, everything. Okay. <laughs> you can't hide your shopping in the boot of your car. Hide your clothes, sneak them up to your room when he's not looking. No, you can't do that. <laughs> submit in everything. Okay. But he has a nice thing. It, it says submit to your own husband. Hallelujah. I don't have to submit to anyone else. Any other man except my own husband, okay? Submit to your husband. Submit, arrange under, put in subjection to, okay? Position yourselves under. And there's a whole lot more in the notes. Go check out the notes. Another thing, wives, that we call to do, Proverbs 31 verse 12, she comforts, encourages, and does them good as long as there is life within her. She comforts, encourages, and does them good. And you know what, wives? We are wise but we need wisdom and more wisdom in order to do this because sometimes direct encouragement doesn't, is not going to do the encouraging thing. Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get over it. It's not going to work, okay? You have to, well, what about this? And use wisdom and use tact, okay? And some people have more tact than others, um, but you, we can trust God for wisdom and prayer comes in here. Proverbs 15 verse 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. But willful contrariness breaks down the spirit. We've got to have a tree of life in our wives, woman. Be affectionate towards your own husband. That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 3. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise the wife to her husband. And I've got a whole list of things of, uh, in terms of what affection actually looks like. So we can pray into this. Lord, help me to be affectionate. Because sometimes you don't feel like it. You come home after a long day and it's tiring and you've got the kids and you've got homework and you've got stuff to cook and you just want to sleep. But the Bible says that we to show affection. Okay, number four, we to guard our heart and our mouth. Guard our hearts and our mouth. Matthew 12 verse 34. Jesus talks about how whatever's in our heart will come out our mouths. So we need to be careful with what we release with our mouths. We need to pray prayers like Psalm 141 verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Amen. Ladies. Okay, number five, adorn yourself. 1 Peter 3 verse 3 talks about how women of old adorn themselves, yes, with a gentle and quiet spirit, but they also adorn themselves on the outside. Hallelujah. They wore nice clothes and <laughs> nice things, wore makeup. Okay, I don't know, maybe they didn't, but I'll, I'll take it, okay? <laughs> okay, so we can adorn ourselves and we can ask God to help us, okay? And, okay, someone found something funny, but anyway... So those are the instructions for women, instruction, wives, instructions for husbands. Ephesians 5.25, love your, love your wives, husbands. That's Paul's instruction. Paul's instruction to the church at Ephesus. Husbands, love your wives. And that word love there is not the Greek word for passionate love. Okay? It's not eros. That word love there, guess which one it is? It's agape. Do you know what that means? That means love unconditionally. Even if she's in her pajamas and doesn't look like she looked last night. It means love her unconditionally, even if she doesn't, hasn't done everything you wanted her to do. Love her unconditionally, even if she's a work in progress. Love her. And I'm telling you what, if you love her like this type of love, she will submit to you. She will submit. It's a safe place, and she will submit. Okay? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That love means to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly, to be well-pleased, to be contented. Men? Okay. And the example of that is God's love toward us. Jesus' love, him giving up his life on the cross for us. Okay, that's a very, I'm glad I'm not a husband. 
just want to say that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'd rather submit than have to do that. I'm just saying. Number two, husband, sanctify and cleanse your wife. Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Husbands, you're supposed to wash your wife with the water of the word. You're not supposed to criticize, nitpick, okay? Always correct. Wash her with the word. Speak to the treasure in her and she'll become what you speak to. Someone once said, if you speak to the flesh in someone, the flesh is going to rise as the thing that's going to rise up and punch you on the nose. Speak to the treasure in her and that's what she'll become. And how many of you know that we've got to pray and say, God, give me, you've got to pray and say, God, give me the right words to sanctify and cleanse my wife. Give me the word of God for my wife. Give me a now word. Husbands, let me just tell you that if you are called to preach, if you are called to be a minister, your first church is your family. Your first ministry is your wife and children. And don't tell me that you're a mighty man of God and that is falling apart because that is nonsense. That is nonsense. That is not a God pattern. That is not a God way. You've got to deal with this and minister to your wife. Your wife has to be happy. Your wife has to be taken care of. Your first, minute, your first sermons are to your wife. You wash her lovingly with the word of God. You teach and train your kids and disciple your kids, and then you worry about discipling the rest of the world. Amen. Amen. Okay. Right. Facilitate for your wife to, be beautiful, to present herself beautified and holy to you. Ephesians 5 verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Ladies, at this point, you can say amen. amen. Okay, so husbands, you have to facilitate for us to present ourselves beautified to you. <laughs> okay. If you want it, you got to, and you better pray to God for wisdom because some people like going to have uh, nails and whatever done. Some people don't, you know. Some people like going shopping on their own. Some people go, I don't like shopping. You know what? It just takes so long, you know? And their cars and their people and their queues, you know? But if, and I never buy anything inevitably for myself. But if my husband comes with me, then it's okay. Then I'll buy things for myself. So men, you've got to find out what works for your wife so that she can present herself beautified to you. Ephesians 5 verse 2. Um, 28 to 29, men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Ooh. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. You've got to cherish and nourish your wife. And men, you've got to pray for wisdom to do that. And ladies, we've got to pray for our men that they would have wisdom to do that. Amen. So this is a biblical pattern. The same thing that I said to wives applies to husbands. Render affection due to your spouse. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 3. Okay, number six, husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, 1 Peter 3 verse 7. That word honor is dignity. It's, a sta it's uh, like my husband says, precious, handle with care. And if you've got an issue with violence or with your tongue or with verbal abuse, you know what? You've you got to go to the Lord and repent because that is not what we see in the word. You've got to speak to the treasure and give her dignity. Amen. So that is, that is just looking at a few scriptures and really Ephesians 5 to get a pattern of what we can pray concerning our marriages. And if you, you can literally take any one of those and think about your family, the, family in the, the families in the church, the families in the nation, and just and cry out to God. Because there's so much within just that little bit of word that I've shared with you. Um, I'm going to also want to look at parenting because we've looked at marriage and some of the stuff that's in the word in terms of marriage and God's blueprint. But I just quickly want to look at parenting and how, and how important it is and, and some of the things that we can glean from the word in terms of parenting. Parenting, a family is the primary place where God desires children to learn about unconditional love, security, and the father heart of God. That is, that is the purpose of family. Children shouldn't grow up feeling like I must be seen and never heard. I don't have a voice in this family. As long as I'm performing, then I'm okay. If I don't perform, then I'm not loved. Children should never grow up experiencing that in a family. They need to experience the love of God in the family and they will be secure. 1 John 4 verse 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Psalm 131 verse 2, Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. That is, that is beautiful. Those are some of the, the, 
the things that we want to see within family. Family, like I said before, is where, where God desires children learn about honoring authority. Okay? We've got to teach our children to honor authority. If the teacher says this, I cannot say, I must not say, oh, that's just the teacher, don't worry. Because I'm teaching them that they can choose the authority that they want to submit to. They need to learn that if I have delegated authority to that teacher to teach them, and they must listen to that teacher, unless it goes against a higher law, which is the law of God, and I'll explain to them, listen, we don't believe in that because this is what God's word says. But you still honor your teacher when you're in the class. You don't go and say, no, well, I don't agree with that because you're wrong because this. No, that's not the right way to do it. They're the teacher. You honor them, but... You listen to what the Word of God says. We've got to teach them about honoring authority and honoring authority even if they don't agree with authority. Amen. Okay. Family is a place where God, desire child, God, God desires children to be discipled. And this is a biggie. It's what I shared on Friday at Ignite. It's a biggie. We have to disciple our children and, and we have to pray for wisdom for parents to know how to disciple children. I know for us, sometimes doing it in a bulk you know, one size fits all. doesn't really work. We've, and we've only got three, okay? We don't even have a lot. I don't think that's a lot. Three kids, a bulk, one size fits all. The same paintbrush, we're going to paint all of them. It's not going to always work. Yes, we can do that for the basics for some things, but they need individual attention because they're so, so different, okay? Now, I just want to share some examples with you of what happens when we don't disciple our children. And I'm wanting to look at Judges 1 verse 7. And I'm going to read from Judges, uh, sorry, I'm saying Judges 1 to 7. You can go and go read those seven chapters when you're at home. Um, but actually, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to read this to you because it's, it's long and we, and we don't have time. But if you go and you look at the book of Judges, you'll see that literally the people were following like Mo Caleb, uh, Moses and Joshua and Caleb, okay, they followed them. And then they were following Joshua, Moses died. And they were following him and they were walking in the ways of God. And then Joshua died. And then what happened? They turned away from God. They did other things that God told them not to do. They, they followed uh, Baal and, and other gods. And what happens? God raises up enemies, okay? God raises up enemies and they come into captivity. Then God raises up Othniel as a deliverer. And then the Israelites serve the Lord, but then Othniel dies, and then the Israelites did evil in God's sight. And then God says, okay, Moabites, Ammonites, Amalekites, attack my people because they've now turned away from me. So they were attacked. The Israelites were attacked. Then they were subject to the king of Moab for 18 years. Then they cried out to the Lord. Then the Lord gave them a deliverer. Okay, I hope you're seeing a pattern here. Ehud, Ehud, or Ehud delivered them from the Moabites, and they had peace for 80 years. And then Ehud died. And then the Israelites did evil in God's sight. Okay. Are you seeing a pattern? The Lord gave them over to the Canaanite king, and the Israelites were oppressed by his regime. Then, they, and this was for a number of years, and then the Lord, they cried out to the Lord, and then the Lord raises up Deborah, okay, a judge. Can you see a pattern? A judge is raised up, leads the people, the people follow God. The judge dies, the people turn away from God, and they follow uh, evil ways, they don't listen to God, and God then says, okay, well, I'm going to deliver you over to your enemies because you won't listen to me. They deliver it over to the enemies. Then they get the message. They cry out to God. God deliver us. He raises up a deliverer. And so the pattern repeats ad, ad infinitum. Okay, if you could go read it, you'll see it there. But what was the problem? What was the problem? The person who was leading, the person who God raised up as, de as a deliverer was not discipling people wasn't raising up anyone to follow in his footsteps where, or when he or she died, wasn't passing on the baton to the next generation. And so when they died, everything died with them. Amen. Yeah. Now, that can happen in our families. How many of you know pastors? And you know what? Being a pastor is not easy, and so I'm not criticizing anyone, and I need, we need grace and mercy, and we are not perfect, and we need to sort ourselves out as well. But you know what? There's so many pastor's kids who walk away from God and walk away from the church, and they want nothing to do with it at all. What happens? It's difficult. It's not easy to pass something on to the next generation, and we've got to be intentional about it. We have to do it. It would be terrible if we pastor people, if we plant churches, if we raise up and disciple so many nations and our own kids are not interested. Husbands and wives, 
would be terrible if you ministering to people in your goal groups or or you maybe single ladies, single men, you're ministering to many people and one day you get married and have kids and they don't know the Lord and they're disinterested because you didn't disciple them. Or maybe it's your nieces and nephews and you're ministering to so many people, you're trusting God to have ministry breakthrough and touch people and, and the own peop, your own nieces and nephews, you don't minister to them. You don't disciple them. They don't know the Lord. That'll be terrible. Hey, okay. Eli's sons. Eli was a priest. Okay, he was a priest. And um, his sons were doing evil things. They were not doing what they should have been doing when they received the sacrifices. They were going against the pattern of God. They were taking the meat and eating it. Um, and they were also sleeping with women in the temple. And Eli, it says in 1 Samuel 2, verse 22, Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing in all of Israel and how they slept with the woman who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And so Eli says to him, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the reports I hear spreading is not good. Okay? So basically, Eli addresses it with them. He addresses it. You would, you would agree with me, that's addressing it. Okay, but this is what God says in 1 Samuel 3, verse 11 to 14. I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his, and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Eli addressed it with his kids, but his kids didn't change their way. And God turns to Eli and says, judgment is coming upon your family. You're going to lose the destiny and the inheritance of the generations and generations to come that I promised to you because you did not discipline your children. That's hectic. That's hectic. That means that I can lose, we can lose the inheritance for our children and our children's children if we don't discipline our children. So what happens? Hophni and Phineas' sons are killed on the same day. And, and, his, and he also dies. He falls over and dies. Okay, so judgment actually did come to his family. The legacy of their, their family was ended. Why? He didn't discipline his children. What is discipleship? It's learning, and it's coming under discipline. Okay, the last example that I'm wanting to use. How many of you would agree that Samuel was an incredible prophet? Incredible prophet in the Old Testament. Incredible, very accurate prophet, powerful prophets, okay? Now listen to this. <coughs> Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, the second Abijah. They were sons in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like the other nations. Isn't that sad? Wouldn't it have been amazing if Samuel had taken of the spirits and the heart that he had and passed that on to his sons? Wouldn't it be awesome? Would have been amazing. So if we look at the Bible, and, we, and these are just some scriptures that I've just taken to whet our appetites. If we look at the Bible, it is so rich with so much for us to glean from and think about um, so that we can pray intelligently, we can pray strategically for the, for the domain of family. And if you look in the notes that are on the website, you'll see that I've literally gone through all my notes and I've put bullet points. <clears throat> I've put bullet points in terms of things that you can pray for. So the first one will be understanding and carrying the heart of God. That, that men will be fathers in their own families, in the church, in the body of Christ. That fathers would arise in the body of Christ and the nations. So I'm giving you prayer, prayer items to pray into. Marriages. No weapon formed against them will prosper. Isaiah 54 verse 17. So I've also given you the scriptures, okay? God will be the wall of fire round about and the glory within. Zechariah 2.5. The marriage bed would be held in honor. Hebrews 13.4. Uh, etc. etc. I've got prayers for the husbands, prayers for the wife, pray, uh, prayers for parents. Okay. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 to 5. That parents would have wisdom to parent, teach, disciple, train, lead, love, and nurture their children. So if you go and look at the end of the notes, you'll see a whole lot of prayer points from the word of God. 
And I just want to encourage us all to make a commitment. You know, I know that sometimes it's not easy, it's not convenient to pray, but it's an investment that, we, that we're making. And when I'm lying in bed asleep, my prayers are still active. When I die and I go to heaven, my prayers will still be active that I prayed for my descendants after me, whether they're my grandkids, my great-grandkids. You know, so I want to encourage us, let's take this and say, Lord, give me wisdom that I'll know how I can apply it. How should you apply it? You know, should you take one day a week and pray for family? Because there are a whole lot of other domains that hopefully my husband will let me touch on. Um, but, <laughs> okay, but we've, we've got, a, we've got a, a blueprint that we use uh, in our home, and many of you know this, but on Monday we pray for our marriage. Every week this is what we do before we go to sleep. And it means that every week we cover all these things, which is important. Tuesday we pray for our children and descendants. Wednesday we pray for our family and extended family. Thursday, we pray for our destiny, ministry, and calling. Friday, we pray for our friends. Saturday, we pray for the nation, topical national issues, national leaders. And Sunday, we pray for church and leaders in the church. And in that way, we cover all of these things every week. Because if we didn't do this, we probably wouldn't cover all those things every week. How many of you know that? How many of you agree? Yeah. So I want to encourage you to be strategic about your prayer, to use the word in your prayer, and to have a blueprint that you're going to commit to and, and follow. Can you do that? Because we want the prayer levels to go up in the church. And, and it's not going to just go up if we feel like it or if we don't feel like it. I'll pray if I feel led. If I don't feel it, I won't do it. No, it's not going to happen. Okay? If I only did training when I felt like it, I would only maybe train once or twice a week. Okay? So we've got to do it whether we feel like it, whether we don't feel like it. It's a discipline because we know it's powerful. Remember the quotes I read at the start. It's powerful. So I want to encourage you, encourage me. Let's trust God. Let's be disciplined. Let's take our prayer to the next level. Let's pray intelligently. Let's pray using the word of God. Let's pray for our families according to the word of God. And um, yeah, see what God will do. Amen. Okay, sure. Remember that um, the prayer strategy will be available. Pastor Vim does the prayer strategy after all the sermons. So that will be available. That will also help you in terms of praying. Um, the other thing my husband uh, wants us just to pray now for our families, just to take a few minutes. So we're going to just do that. Father, we thank you for your word, and we really thank you that it's so rich and that you've given us blueprints and you've given us clues and you've, you've given us intelligent wisdom, Lord God, that we can use even as we pray. It doesn't just have to be um, how we feel or what we think, but it's in accordance with your word, and we're really grateful for that. And so, Father, today I want to pray for the families in this church. I want to pray for the marriages, the families in this church, and the, and the families that will be, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that our families would carry the Father heart of God, that your Father heart would be manifest in and through our families in this church. I ask, Lord, we ask that fathers would arise with a father heart of God in families. Fathers would arise in the church to father the fatherless. Fathers would arise in the body of Christ, Lord, and in the nations and would father the fatherless. Be fathers to those who've never known father, Lord. I pray that, that your father heart would be manifest in our families, in this nation, Lord God, in, in terms of provision, protection, sustenance, and nurture even, Lord God. But we pray in our families, Lord God, that they would, you would set something in place that would that there would be a resistance to violence there would be a resistance to verbal abuse Lord God we pray that you would set a guard over our lips over our mouths that we would we would guard our marriages we would guard our families Lord God we would only release those words that are life-giving that bring life Lord God Lord, we pray for our marriages and we declare no weapon fashioned against our marriages and this church will prosper. We declare that you will be the wall of fire around us and the glory in our midst, Lord. We declare that the marriage bed will be held in honor. And Father, where there's been dishonor, where there's been defilement, even right now, if you're right here right now and there have been elements of infidelity and unfaithfulness, Lord, we pray for a cleansing. 
We pray for a forgiveness, Lord. We pray for a cutting off, for a freedom, Lord, even where there are third parties in marriages, third parties like pornography, Father. We just speak a cutting off. We pray for your fire to burn up these things in our midst. May the marriage bed be held in honor, we pray. Father, we pray for wives this morning that she would truly be an Aza, a warrior next to a warrior helper for her husband, Lord. We pray that you would help wives, you would help us to submit, even as you help husbands to love. We pray for wives that we would comfort and encourage our husbands, that we would be affectionate toward our husbands, that we would adorn ourselves, Lord God. We pray for husbands this morning that they would truly sanctify and cleanse their wives with the washing of the word of God that husbands would facilitate for wives to present themselves beautified to him Lord we pray for husbands they would nourish cherish and love their wives as their own body they would render affection that is due to her Lord that there would be honor in their relationship honor in our marital relationships father we pray for fathers to father children to father their children and to provide and to be the provider for families, Lord God. We pray for parents in our midst, for wisdom to parents, for wisdom to teach, to disciple, to train, to lead, to love and to nurture our children. Father, we ask that you would help us to be parents who would truly disciple our children. Disciple our children. You would help us to watch over them, Lord God, to be able to identify when certain walls are breaking down. We ask that you would give us eyes to see what we need to see in our children, Lord. And we pray for our children that they would truly experience godly love and acceptance nurturing and safety that they would grow up with emotional security that they would grow up lord understanding in authority under authority they would grow up understanding honor of authority lord but most of all honor of your law and your word above all authority father we pray for ourselves this morning that you would give us strategies on a per in a personal capacity to take our prayer to another level lord maybe it's the time that we spend in prayer maybe it's the content of our prayer maybe it's how we pray or when we pray but holy spirit would you speak to each one of us and show us where we can make small amendments lord we don't need to be overwhelmed small adjustments one step at a time we thank you for that lord in jesus name amen